Learning to develop reason and learning to reason with God is a taunting task that we have in the life that we live. There are some things in life we've learned to not try to reason out. For example, I do not understand a woman's purse. I have not tried to figure out why they have one that's the size of a suitcase and they have everything in it because somehow they think somehow in that short time they're going to need it. And not only that, they fuss about the fact when they have this suitcase they carry with us, everything that they want is at the bottom of the purse. I don't know where they think it's going to be. I put it at the top and now it's at the bottom. And to carry it around. And so that one I don't reason with. I just let that one go. I just carry it. Uh, as heavy as that thing may be. And then you think about Isaiah listening to God speak to him. And as we read in Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 16 and following, he says, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Put away evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widows. And then it's in 18. Come now. And let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are like red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, You shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. An invitation from God to come and to reason together. If you are going to reason with God, you had better be prepared and understand the task that lies before you. He is the one that already knows the answers. He is the one that knows the way that is right. He is the one that has offered help. He is the one who has promised to bless, to enrich, and to protect in his way But he has that qualifier in there. If you are willing and obedient, are you willing to listen to God? And are you willing to be obedient to him? We want to 
attach qualifiers to that. I don't, do not mind obeying him as long as I see a value or benefit directly to me. But to trust him in diverse situations and circumstances seems to be another situation. Be like Joseph in our study in Genesis that we had just finished up. If you're going down into Egypt, in a roundabout way it's being brought out, and you're going to be down there for over 20 some odd years and more. In fact, when you go to Egypt, you're not coming back out. But I'm with you. To go down as a slave, to be sold as a slave, to go through what he went through, I'm simply saying, are you willing to listen to the Lord? Are you willing to be obedient to him? Come and let us reason together. If I'm reasoning with God, what am I hearing? Am I hearing that the creator of the universe for us through the word that he's left us is saying, listen, I love you. I know you. I've made you. If you're willing to trust me, I'll show you a life that can be lived without regret. But you're going to have to be willing to be obedient. And do what I say. Because I said it. And I know what's best. Difficult days are going to come. But yours is to trust him along the way. That invitation that he gives. Isn't that amazing? He said, I'll give you that invitation. You come talk to me. There were times when uh, that was not one of the pleasant words to hear at the mouth of my father. Come, I want to talk to you. Usually knew what that meant. Do we react to God that way? I kind of know what that means. If God has asked me to come talk to him, he has something he wants to say. But he wants to say it in love. He wants to say it in what is best. He wants to say it because he knows the choices that are there. And he knows the consequences of those choices as we make them. But that willingness always to be there. You're going to stray. It's amazing again as the people are ready to enter into the land of Canaan. And you read the end of the last, excuse me, the last of Joshua as he talks to the people. Make a choice of whom you're going to serve. Serve the Lord or serve the gods. You make a choice. And people says, we will serve the Lord. As you read down through there, you need to listen very carefully to their statement and Joshua's statement. 
We will serve the Lord and be faithful to him. That's our response initially, is it not? I know who God is. I've heard enough about him from different sources and from the scriptures to know that he sent his son to die for me and through his blood I can have remission of sins. Yes, I'll come. I'll serve the Lord. But Joshua goes on to tell him, you cannot serve the Lord. And they said, oh, yes, we can. He said, no, you need to understand the Lord. You need to understand what is being committed to. And they said, well, do that. And then Joshua tells the people, you've made the statement. You're going to have to live by it. You need to understand what you've agreed to. You agreed to be faithful to God above all else. You're not going to do that. And you're going to suffer some consequences. And you need to understand why you're suffering those consequences. Israel never did understand fully why they suffered those consequences. Jeremiah, I mean, Joshua told them why. Because you will not remain faithful to me. Harsh statement. Led out of the land, led for 40 years in the wilderness. Been victorious. And then they say, is it us? And they're saying they didn't understand it was God. God led you these 40 years. God has protected you. Even in the days of Egypt, God has protected you. Going back to Joseph again. And before that, God has always been there with his people. And he's always forbore with them. But he reminded them every time they refused and every time they transgressed, there were consequences to be paid. Just as we do in the physical realm when we transgress, we understand there are consequences to be paid. Sometimes we try to talk a way out of it. Oh, I promise, I promise, I won't do it again. I promise I'll, I'll, I'll behave myself until the next time comes along. And what do we do? What did Israel do time and time again? Go back and transgress the law. As we read and study God's word, we find that the Lord is constantly calling and inviting mankind to come to him. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come and learn of me, for I am meek and I am lowly in heart, and there you shall find rest for your souls. Now Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I'll give you rest. Do we lay our burdens upon him? Or do we take them back at the end of our prayers? I've taken it before the Lord, I've laid it before the Lord, and when I closed the prayers, I picked up my burdens and I carried them with me again. Did I not leave them there? I know he cares. And I have a record of his care. And that's one thing that I don't know that has perplexed man down from the beginning. How can God continually forgive and restore and not hold those sins against us when we do it over and over and over and over again? 
begins with Isaiah. Come. Come on, let us reason together. You take time to think about who you're talking with. You take time to consider what the, the one you're talking with, what he has done, not only what he has done, what he is doing, and not only what is he doing, but what shall he do in the future. You're going to reason with this being who is pure in all aspects, who never makes a mistake, who always keeps his word, and you're going to reason with him about your life. Come, let us reason together. Let us stop and think who we are, what we've done. Why have we suffered a lot of things that we've suffered? A lot of it as individuals is because of individual transgressions and individual sins. A lot of it is because of a society that we live in that is transgressing God's law. And then we wonder why things happen that the way that they do. How come he didn't protect us? How come he, did, he let us go down the tube, so to say? Let us reason together. Let us think about it. What it is of what God is wanting us to do within our lives. He offers that voice of wisdom. And he has that call for sinners and the backsliders to repent and to come to him. Paul in Romans 12 and verse 1 says, Present your bodies, present your life, your, your whole being, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord which is your reasonable service. In line of what God has done, what you give to him in that living sacrifice is only reasonable in light of what he has done for us. Again, the, the, the contrast between the Old Testament sacrifices and this New Testament sacrifices. Old Testament, they killed the animal. They killed an innocent animal. His blood, excuse me, Excuse me. His blood was shed upon a cross, uh, on the sacrifice, on the altar. Had done no wrong. Had no connection with the one who'd done the transgression. But because of who he was, the animal, he lost his life. And the new, you're the sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That animal gave his whole life in that sacrifice. We're to give our whole life in our sacrifice, except it's a living sacrifice. You're still living. But you've given the life over. You've sacrificed the individual life because of what you've done against God to receive what God wants to do with you. And to know that that's part of this reasoning process. Why does he want to do that? Because he's created us in his image. And because it pleased him. And you look at the end of Genesis 1, verse 31. Everything that God has made. And behold, it was very good. 
That was human beings included in that, was it not? That was male and female included in that. By what God has made, he saw it that it was very good. And he desires to restore that fellowship that we transgressed against and lost that separation that we had with God. Jeremiah reminds us in Jeremiah 3 and verse 22. The Lord says, Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. That concept of God's offer, you've transgressed, you've left God. Return, and God will restore. We've left. The offer is always there. And in that reasoning with God, he's saying, you need to know why you left. It's your transgressions. It's your sins. It's your iniquities. It's seeking to please yourself and to ignore God and who he is. We like to be, consider ourselves at times as self-sufficient individuals. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on my own. And we fail to realize I live in a world that God has created. I'm bringing the, breathing the air that God has created. I'm living in the body that he has designed. There's not a thing that I do that is not his. And how can I act as if it isn't? And that I'm unique and separate from all of this and I can choose to do what I want to do. We always have those individuals who are trying to defy what God has created. And some of them suffer some terrible consequences as a result of dealing with gravity, as dealing with the force of nature, that the two matters cannot occupy the same space at the same time, and there not be a problem there. All that is saying again, God wants to work with us. And this thought again out of Isaiah, you come talk to me. You reason with me. And of course, when you do that, you need to be prepared. Go look in the book of Job, start about verse chapter 38, and you will and read. Job has been asking for an audience with God. I want to talk to God face to face. I want to explain to him, and I want to know why. So the audience is finally granted in Job 38 and following. But it's the Lord who says, come to me, you without knowledge. Let me ask you some questions and you answer me. Now, as I said, I read the first one and I haven't read all, I have read the other ones, but I don't spend a whole lot of time on those other ones. I, can, I cannot answer the first one. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Tell me if you know. Tell me why I designed it this way. Do you answer, can you answer God as to why we have the weather that we have? Can you explain it? Do you know why God chose to do it that way? We're not given a lot of that information. And when Job realized that, woe unto me. I'm undone. I cannot answer those questions. Well, then you cannot answer them. Trust God. He can't. He can answer those questions. Trust him. 
comes back again to our willingness to surrender our will to him. See it again in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 7. Malachi chapter 3, excuse me, in verse 7. The Lord said, Return unto me, and I will return unto you. God is there. We need to be willing to come to him. We're the ones that left. We're the ones that need to come back. We'll come out again in Luke 15 in the prodigal son. It's not until the prodigal son came to his right mind, some of the translations say, that he decided, I'm going home. Being on your own is not what it's cracked up to be. I took my share of the inheritance. I've wasted it. I've had friends and they finally left me when the money ran out. As a Jew, I'm doing a job that would be utterly despised by the Jews. I'm feeding pigs whom they thought were very unclean. He said, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going home. I'll just be a servant. But I'm going home. At least I know in my father's house, he cares for the servants. He provides for them. And I would just as soon go home and be a slave than to stay where I'm at. When he came to his right mind, and sometimes it takes the depth, the depths of despair, the utter rejection of what we've done on our own and the miss that we made out of things. But just that thought again from God's word to say, you can come home. Come. Let's just reason together. Come. You, when you come, leave your sins behind. Leave your transgressions behind and come. I'll be a father to you and you'll be a son unto me. Just come on home. Are we willing to take that opportunity and do the things that God would want us to do? Not a call for judgment, but it is a call to come and reason together, a call to open our hearts and listen to what God has said. He's not a tyrant. He's not unfeeling. He's not distant. Even to the Gentiles. Paul would say he's not far from any one of us. He's there. He's wanting us to come. He's providing what we need. And he waits for us to make those decisions along the way. Don't come and reason with God. Be ready to answer some questions, as Saul had to do in Acts 9 and verse 4. When the Lord asked Saul, he said, why are you persecuting me? Saul could have said, I'm not persecuting you. I'm not persecuting the Lord. I'm persecuting these people who call themselves Christians. He said, no, you're persecuting me. What am I going to do? So go into the city. 
And there it will be told you what you need to do. You're going to reason with God. You need to understand where you stand. A sinner condemned, unclean. Needing the righteous blood of the Christ to wash away those sins in order to give us a new hope. When God has a plan for your life and you decide to have, you think you've got a better plan, things are going to become very hard. Ask Jonah. Things are not going to go the way you want them to go when you decide you're going to rebel against God. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I mean, just the words that Jonah heard of Nineveh was not the words he wanted to hear. Nineveh's this way. Where did Job go? He went this way. But he found out God's way is best. And even when he did God's bidding, was he happy? Forty days and he was going to destroy Nineveh, the Lord was. Jonah did his preaching, went up on his hillside overlooking the city, just waiting for destruction. Wasn't happy. The Lord had provided, uh, provided a plant for him for shade and then it withered up and died and he was upset with that. He was upset with a dead plant and cared less about souls that were about to die. Come and let us reason together, says the Lord. I've got a task for you. I've got a job for you. Are you willing to do indeed what the Lord would have you to do? Listen to Abraham as he reasons with God about Sodom and Gomorrah. At least Abraham was reasoning towards the sparing of a city. If righteous souls could be found in that city. And again, in essence, I believe he was pleading for his family. That's where his family was, his nephew and his family. If you add them up from, as you read the text, there were ten. There were ten righteous souls, or should have been ten righteous souls in the city, and God would have spared it. But again, if you're going to reason with God, you need to listen to God. Repent, change your way, and do his bidding. If you're going to reason with God about what he wants you to do, you need to be willing to listen to the Lord. Moses, I'm not an eloquent speaker. The Lord said, Moses, who made your mouth? Who made you, Moses? You're going to turn around and say, God, no, I cannot do that. You're going to argue with God about what God wants you to do by limiting the very vessels that God gave you to use to do his bidding. He gave us our lives to be used for his glory, that living sacrifice, sharing that good news with those who we have the opportunity in which to share and to do his bidding. But it does come with our repenting of our sins. 
acknowledging them, turning from them, confessing our need for God and for Jesus and for his, his blood, the willingness to walk in the light as he is in the light. And this God whom we are going to reason with is a God who cares. He is a God who patiently waits. He's not going to force himself upon you. He's not going to make you do what you ought to do. He's not going to drag you back if you wandered away. But he will let you know where you are. And he'll work with us. Thanks be to God for his love, his grace, his mercy, his long-suffering, and his patience. And thank God that he's willing and able to save our souls through that blood of Christ. Well, that again is an individual decision. We can plead with you. We can encourage you. We can rebuke you and challenge you. That's your decision, though. You need to read Isaiah 1, 18 and following again. Come and let us reason together says the Lord. You repent and I'll forgive. You change, I'll renew. You serve and there is a reward that is indeed out of this world. So as we look at our life, consider who we are, what we've been doing, are we where we ought to be? Can you, as we sing the song, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as, as snow. And know how and know how that takes place. All to Jesus I surrender, I surrender all. As you look at your life, if it's not where it needs to be, if you need to make a change, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.